This is the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. You can catch this show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, and Google Play. Everybody should be following the show on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. That's where you can keep track of when the latest shows all of it are available. Comment, subscribe, hit the like button, tell a friend. The audience is growing. Uh, thanks to you guys. It's not because of me. It's because of you. You like what you hear. Tell a friend. Won't cost you anything. Send them a link. Subscribe to the Instagram. Subscribe to the show. I appreciate all you guys. And I like to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. If you want to support the show even further, my latest work, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy, is available on Amazon.com. You can also pre-order the new novel, Exodus 2035, only available on the Amazon Kindle and the Amazon Kindle app. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the app. It's free. You can download it to your tablet, to your smartphone, and you can find Exodus 2035 available for pre-order there. That being said, a lot in the news since the last show. Let's jump right into it, guys. Uh, I think the biggest issue people have is they want to know how you could partner with a league on social justice when Colin Kaepernick, who brought it to the attention of the masses by peacefully protesting against social injustices, is still out of a job. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, um, uh, I think we take it back. I think that we we forget that Collins' whole thing was to bring attention to social injustice, correct? So uh, in that in that case, right, this is a success, right? This is the, the next thing, right? Because there's two parts of protesting. You go outside and you protest, and then the company or the individual say, I hear you. What do we do next? Right? So for me, there was, for me, this is, for me, it was like action actionable item what are we going to do with it like everyone heard and we hear what you're saying and everybody know i agree with what you're saying so what are we going to do you know what i'm saying so reach millions and millions of people and or we get stuck on colin not having a job it's, you, you know what i'm saying i guess my follow-up would be the uh roger disingenuous because it's almost like putting a band-aid on a bullet wound because it seems like Colin's being collectively blackballed by the NFL. Well, I'll just add on to what uh, Jay said because we, we talked about this. We've talked about a variety of issues, and I think when we first met, we talked about entertainment and how we do that. But the number one thing we went to is impact, that we can have an impact together and that we can do some really positive things in our communities. And to go to Jay's point, uh, we listened to our players. We understood what our players were saying, and we created a platform of which to help drive change in communities that Colin has raised and that other players have raised. And this is this is, this partnership, in addition to the entertainment aspect and bringing football and music together, is going to help us make even greater change. And and we call it protest to progress, right? We need to make progress as communities as a country and that's what we want to try to do and that's a big part of i think what both of us feel this relationship can be I love the we, we do have to move on hey, uh, jason jay uh from, from nbc just to follow up so you passed on performing at the super bowl 
and then you rapped about passing or performing at the Super Bowl. You said the NFL needed you, you didn't need the NFL. What, what changed? What was the, the impetus for the, the partnership? Yeah, as an artist, I've always held myself in high regard and respect. And if I'm in this position or in a space where I feel like my the level of respect that I earn as an artist is being compromised, I'm going to speak about it. Ten times out of ten. You know, we all talk about cap because that's, you know, that's a hot button issue. But, you know, this is an entertainment company as well. We also discuss what happened. What happened to the Super Bowl, right? Because that was one of the things that sparked this conversation as well. What happened at the Super Bowl? And I explained to them how the process went with the Super Bowl and myself and what I felt about it. and we were, again, that frank conversation, exactly, super, super clear. We had super frank conversations. And, you know, it slowly evolved from there. So how do we fix it? And uh, I sat with Raj, and I was like, man, if this is about me playing the Super Bowl, then we might as well just end this meeting now because that's, that's, that's not enough. You know, we need to, you guys have a platform. You know, people are upset. You know, private citizens for me, uh, with everything that's going on in the country, Private citizens are the one that's going to have to push things forward, working together like we do with reform. We're not, worrying, we're not relying on government to do it. Okay, let's take this group of people and let's introduce these bills and see what we can do. All right. Jay-Z and Rock Nation have come to a partnership with the NFL. And a lot of people have been talking about it. A lot of people are upset about it. You heard Jay-Z and Roger Goodell at their press conference in their own words. I'm not a spokesperson for either of them. They're both grown men. They can both speak for themselves. What I will say is this. I do agree with Jay-Z when he said private citizens are going to have to push this thing forward. If you're upset with the NFL, if you want the NFL to be more woke, if you want the NFL to use its platforms and NFL players to be able to use their platforms to be more proactive in social justice to push social issues forward, then that's something that the people are going to have to take on. I feel like that's something that the masses, we're going to have to get involved and we're going to have to do the work and we're going to have to say, hey, NFL, you do have a huge platform. Millions of people watch your product. Millions of people look up to your players. Your players have huge voices and their social political views deserve to be heard, whether people agree or disagree. They're, they're human human beings too i don't agree with the narrative oh just just shut up and, and play football just shut up and dribble just shut up and, and do your sports that's their job that's their career i'm sorry not their job that's their career so if that's the case maybe you should just shut up and work on your spreadsheet maybe you should just you know shut up and do your powerpoint right everybody has a job to do but you're still a human being you still have a brain you still live in this country you still have thoughts and opinions so yes we can't depend on entertainers and celebrities to be our superheroes the people the masses we have to get out there and we have to be willing to get our hands dirty and and do the work it's easy for somebody can sit on their couch and yell at oprah or floyd mayweather or jay-z or any number of celebrities to say well they should be doing this and they should be doing that and they should be putting money in this and they should be speaking up on that. Well, what are you doing? You should be, you should be speaking up on it too. You you should be getting your hands dirty too. You you have to push it forward. Just because they rich, it's one person, one one rich person. 
one or two rich people, two or three or four rich black people. Well, over 40 million black people in, in this country, we all should be doing the work to push social justice forward. Now, the deal that in the, the deal that Jay Z did with the NFL, I'm neither for it nor against it. I have to see what comes of it. Hey, hit me up on Instagram, unprocessed underscore knowledge, and let me know what you think about it. I want to hear from the people. I want to hear from you guys. I want to get you guys' thoughts and opinion. The full interview that Jay Z and Roger Goodell did. I'm sorry, the full press conference that they did is available on YouTube. It's about 46 minutes long. I would suggest watching the whole press conference, watch the whole thing, understand everything, every question that was asked and everything that was said. I would suggest that before you really formulate your opinion. What I will say is this. A lot of people are upset because Colin Kaepernick does not have a job in the NFL. Well, really what happened was the NFL came together and blackballed him. And I'm upset too. I understand people are upset at that. But let's not put the focus on one black man because of what happened to Colin. As far as I know, Jay-Z didn't have anything to do with Colin Kaepernick being blackballed from from the NFL. Right? So let's not be distracted and take that anger and focus it on Jay-Z when the 32 owners who make up the NFL, they're the ones who came together and blackballed Colin Kaepernick. So if you're upset with Jay-Z, I'm not going to argue with you. Be upset with Jay-Z. All right. But let's also be upset at Jerry Jones, Daniel Snyder, Robert Kraft, the, the people who own the Pittsburgh Steelers, the people who own the New York Giants, all of these NFL owners Let's be upset at them as well because they're the reasons Colin Kaepernick got blackballed from the NFL, not Jay-Z. We could be easily distracted when it comes to the NFL. And I think strategically part of the reason that they wanted to partner with Jay-Z is is to distract, let him take them bullets, let people be upset with him. And we kind of forget (laughs) that the owners that make up the league are the ones who blackballed Colin Kaepernick. And I've never heard anybody as Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft or any of these other NFL owners. Hey, how come Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job in the NFL? Hey, what's your stand on black players protesting against social injustice? Hey, how come you guys came together and decide y'all was going to get Colin Kaepernick out of here when he decided that he was going to take a knee and draw attention towards injustice towards black people? I don't hear anybody asking these owners that. But a lot of people want to get upset because you know Jay Z did a, a deal with the NFL. There's a lot of people that do deals with the NFL. Are you equally upset with Chevy? Are you upset with Ford? Are you upset with Verizon? Are you upset with Budweiser? It's tons and tons of huge companies with products that we use each and every day that nobody's upset at, that nobody's boycotting, that's getting money with the NFL. So. I just feel like it's easy to blame a black person for some, for an act of racism committed by other white people. We, we let them skate and slide. Right? No, nobody's mad at them, but everybody wants to get mad at Jay-Z because of what they did to Colin Kaepernick. That's just my opinion. Like I said, I'm neither for nor against the deal. I'm indifferent. Jay-Z's a grown man. He made that deal with the NFL. He's going to have to stand on it. Let me be clear. 
that's something that he's going to have to stand on. What's going to come of it? I don't know. But again, one thing I don't like, and I've seen this happen before. When someone has been the victim of racism. It's easy to look at another black person and blame them for something that that white people did. Right. Coon, Sambo, house nigga. <laughs> All this other of a of a call him every name in the book. Right. Let's just move on, guys. Let's move on to the next story. I'm 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 just done with it. Okay, I lied. I'm not done with it. Eric Reed, and I like Eric Reed. Eric Reed, he had a lot of things to say about Jay Z, and he can say what he want to say, and he he made some good points. But like I said before, Eric Reed is a player in the NFL. He's still getting an NFL check. Do we have that same smoke for the owner of the Carolina Panthers, the team that he plays for? Did he have a conversation with his owner and asked him why did he come together and prevent Colin Kaepernick from having a job in, in the NFL? Did he hold his 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 owner to, to the same standard that he's hold, holding Jay-Z? Jay-Z does not, not presently own any NFL team. He's not an NFL owner. He doesn't have anything to do with Colin Kaepernick not playing in, in the NFL. So is, is Eric Reed holding his owner accountable for the role that he played in it? Now, mind you, Eric Reed, he's getting money with the NFL, but he's got all the smoke for Jay-Z because Jay-Z did a deal and now he want to get money with the NFL, too. You know, hmm, sounds a little bit hypocritical to me, but that's just my opinion. Like I said, guys, let me know what you guys think about it. Officer Daniel Pantaleo, the officer who was responsible for murdering Eric Gardner five years ago, last week got fired. Let's listen to what the NYPD commissioner has to say about that. New York City Police Commissioner James O'Neill is here today to discuss his decision to fire the officer who put Eric Gardner in a deadly chokehold five years ago. A video, very hard to watch, it shows Officer Daniel Pantaleo bringing Gardner to the ground after officers said that he resisted arrest for selling loose cigarettes. The Staten Island District Attorney and the Department of Justice decided not to charge Pantaleo with a crime. Police union criticized O'Neill's decision to fire him, saying the commissioner, quote, has chosen politics and his own self-interest over the police officers that he claims to lead. Pantaleo's attorney told CBS News he now plans to sue the commissioner to get his job back. Commissioner James O'Neill joins us at the table. This morning, good morning. It's good to have you here. Good morning. Certainly under these circumstances. Listen, watching your, your news conference the other day, it was very clear to those watching. It's a painful decision for you. Clearly a lot of thought went into that decision. And I'm wondering how you reached it, especially since after two other organizations had decided that there would be no charges. It was a difficult decision. Um, as I said on Monday, I've been a cop a long time. I was a uniformed cop for 34 years. And uh, Danny Pantaleo was right where we told him to be. Uh, the lieutenant sent him there. Um, it, it was difficult, but it was based on the work, the trial, the evidence, the testimony that the, the Deputy Commissioner of Trials, Maldonado, put forth her decision which was affirmed by the first deputy commissioner. And after I looked at all the evidence, um, that was the decision that, that, that I made. And I think that was the one that had to be made. Why did it take the NYPD five years to act on this? So there's uh, initially was the Staten Island grand jury. 
uh, did not uh, indict Officer Pantaleo. And through conversations with the uh, Department of Justice, they asked us to, to hold off on moving forward with our administrative trial. Asked to pause. Yes. And then uh, in the summer of 2018, uh, they said we could go ahead. They gave us the green light to go ahead. All right. A grand jury did not find Officer Daniel Pantaleo guilty of a crime because in their eyes, police officers are supposed to terrorize and kill black people. That's what they're there for. What's wrong with that? He said that Officer Daniel Pantaleo was right where we told him to be. I agree. He was right where you told him to be. He on the streets terrorizing black people. Look, they're acting like Daniel Pantaleo is the one who was given a death sentence. Eric Gardner is dead. Number one, it's been five years. This man has been on the force ever since then, and he's just now losing a job. He lost his job. Make no mistake, he'll get transferred. He lost his job as a police officer in New York City. He'll be transferred somewhere else. He'll get another job. He'll be fine. Eric Gardner is dead because he was accused of selling loose cigarettes. That was his crime. He was accused of selling a cigarette. And if he was, so in the hell what? Give him a ticket. Book him for selling a loose cigarette. (laughs) All right? It's not a death sentence. And there is no evidence that he was even selling the loose cigarette he was accused of selling. But that's beside the point. If you could see the pain in this man's face, you can hear the anguish in his voice. He really didn't want to fire Officer Daniel Pantaleo. He really didn't. But he did. And he's getting all types of backlash from the police union. They calling him a traitor. They calling him a turncoat. They're calling him a backstabber. All because Daniel Pantaleo lost his job when Eric Gardner lost his life. On video, everybody saw it. The man's a murderer, and he should be in prison for murder. Do you know that Officer Daniel Pantaleo has a GoFundMe up right now that has over $146,000 in it? He raised over $146,000 in, what, 10 days? (laughs) In a couple weeks, he'll probably have well over $300,000 in there. Officer Daniel Pantaleo, he'll be just fine. Like I said, Eric Gardner is dead. Let's move on to the next one. All right. New York Times Magazine just recently released a special edition called the 1619 Project, which talks about the 400 year anniversary of slavery in America. Now, a lot of scholars may argue that it actually goes back to, you know, the 1590s or uh, late 1500s, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this issue, it, it, repre- it represents the, the history of slavery in America and how that has helped shape the American landscape. Let's hear from the person who is responsible for putting this issue together in her own words. 
A special new issue, the New York Times Magazine is launching a series called the 1619 Project. It marks the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved Africans in the colony of Virginia. The series examines the ways the legacy of slavery continues to shape this country. The Times says the project aims to reframe American history and place the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the story we tell ourselves about who we are. The journalist behind the project is New York Times Magazine domestic correspondent, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Nicole, good morning, thanks for being here. Good morning. Can you tell us about the genesis of this project? How do, where did you come up with the idea? Sure, so I've been thinking about the year 1619 since I was in high school, yeah. and I came across that date in a book called uh, Before the Mayflower. And I just was struck by how uh, people of African descent had been here that long, and I never knew that date and never heard about it. Right. So as the anniversary was approaching uh, the 400th year, I thought that this was a time to actually assess uh, what has that legacy been, and to bring this year, 1619, to most American households where it was probably going to pass without them knowing about it. You say it. 1619 is as important as 1776. Yes. Um our decision to buy that first group of 20 to 30 Africans would influence almost everything that would follow after. I think it is foundational. It is as foundational to who we became as a country as our decision in 1776 to break off from the British. You say black Americans are the most American of all and our true founding fathers. Can you walk us through from that first ship to today how we're still seeing the signs? Yeah, so when you think about the fact that when Thomas Jefferson is writing the Declaration and laying out these uh, words for liberation, you know, all, all men are created, created equal, equal. Yes. and born with inalienable rights. And while he's writing that, he owns 130 human beings who are in absolute bondage. And in fact, his brother-in-law is sitting there with him, enslaved to help keep him comfortable. What that means is those ideals were not true when they were written, but black Americans took those ideals literally. And black Americans have really fought. Um, you can look at what happens after Reconstruction. You can look at the abolitionist movement. You can look at the civil rights movement. Black people have fought to make those ideals real. Perfecting democracy. Absolutely. I can just say this, I was so embarrassed as a person of color that I had never heard of 1619 until I read your essay, page 16, when you first talk about it. And I just thought, how do we not know this? And I'm not the only one. There was only one person in the room, Betsy over there, who went to Harvard. She, <laughs> she knew about you and she knew all about this project and knew all about the state. But you said it's time to stop hiding from our sins and confront the truth. What do you mean? What I mean is... And how do we not know about this, Nicole? We don't know about 1619 the same way that we don't learn very much about slavery. It is shameful. No one wants to talk about their sins or the worst moments. And um, slavery gives contradiction to our entire creation story of the United States. And so we've tried to push it aside. We've tried to make it marginal. And in doing that, we've marginalized the 40 million descendants of the enslaved as well. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do with this project is force us to confront the truth. And then maybe we can actually start to, to move past slavery and become the country um, that was written in our ideals in the Constitution and the Declaration. It's an effort to reframe American history. Yeah. But some critics have said it's, it's an effort to delegitimize American history uh, from the Cato Institute uh, Illa Shapiro tweeted uh, it's a project intended to delegitimize mankind's grandest experiment in human liberty is it divisive in that way 
I mean, what's amazing about that is people are not arguing the facts. So what they're basically arguing is that we should only talk about certain facts. We should talk about uh, the good part of Thomas Jefferson, but not about the fact that he was uh, an enslaver. I'm saying that history is history, and we have to tell the truth. Um, no, it's not delegitimizing, de because the whole point of the, argue, of the article is that black Americans have used those founding words to actually bring us closer to the democracy that the founders envisioned. Is and that is the most patriotic of things. It is not divisive to teach history. You just have to teach the truth. I agree with that. I've said it before. I say it again. Racism affects all forms of people activity. Right? It is important to teach your children the truth about black history, specifically black history in this country. Because if you don't, if you leave it up to the school system, they'll learn all about how great Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Ben Franklin, they'll learn all about how great they were and the great things they did, but they'll never learn that they instituted and maintained the system of slavery. All right, little black kids that look like them with slaves on their pant on their plantations and terrorized. They'll never learn that part of it. So if you're a black parent, you have to take the initiative. And you have to teach your children. Don't leave it up to the school system because they will be miseducated and brainwashed on purpose. One thing I would like to add to what she said, both the previous clips, courtesy of CBS News, by the way, she says we don't learn about 1619 because it's shameful. In my opinion, that's not true. I believe we don't as a people we don't learn about 1619 because white people don't want to talk about it. It's been my experience that great acts of racism that are well-documented and can be easy, easily historically proven white people avoid. They don't want to teach it. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to act like it never happened. It's important that we think and put in context how the history of black people in this country has affected us as a group. Let's let's think about it. From 1619 to 1865, we were enslaved. It took another hundred years just to get civil rights. We didn't get civil rights to the 1960s. We as a people have only had rights for about 60 years. Now we're fighting for equal rights because we still don't have that. If you take on the mentality that you were never a slave, you have the same opportunities as, as everyone else. If you were born after the civil rights movement, a, as I was, I've, I've heard this plenty of times throughout my lifetime. That's the mentality of your oppressor. Because my people as a group, didn't have the same opportunities as everyone else did. Let's think about it. The ghetto. Black people always talk about the ghetto. <laughs> did you know that the ghetto was created during Jim Crow to separate black people from white people within the inner cities? Within the inner cities, the ghetto was created to house black people. You could check out the book Sundown Towns. It pretty much breaks down the whole history of that whole thing. 
we complain about the school systems. Did you know that the resources from the school systems were perfect? I'm losing my words. <laughs> the resources from the school system were purposely diverted from black children to white children. That was a collective effort. The healthcare system, Harriet Washington, medical apartheid, the racism in the healthcare system, the white hospitals, all the resources were diverted there on purpose. The black hospitals, you get what was left over and a lot of experimentation was done there. The banking system. The, we all know that the banking system has a long history of exercising racism towards black people on purpose. They wanted all the resources to go, go to white people. The job market. We all we were we were always the last hired. The resources in the job system were always diverted towards white people and away from black people on purpose. It's not an accident. There's a reason Donald Trump is president right now. It's always been a collective effort to keep black people in a subservient position. So let's put it all in into context. If we as a group didn't have the same opportunities as everyone else, if we to this day really don't have equal white equal rights and we've only had civil rights since the 1960s. You didn't have the same opportunities as everybody else. It was a systematic effort to oppress you. The oppression didn't go away after the Civil War. The oppression didn't go away after the civil rights movement it just keeps changing form and we have to be conscious of that so we can know how to maneuver out here so we know the do's and the do nots so we can educate ourselves properly so we can fight back and really get tangible change actionable items as jay-z said that's what we really need to be about we don't need to be about symbolic victories we need to be about going out and doing something right? i'm not about just reading books watching films, watching YouTube clips and sitting around not doing nothing. Get out there and, and do something. You don't have to be Malcolm X. You don't have to be Angela Davis. You don't have to be Dr. King. All right. But let's get out here. Each one, teach one. Spread a positive message. Do something positive in community, in your community. Support a black business. Support people who are doing the work. Let's come together. Let's vote our interest. Let's come up with an agenda and let's move that agenda forward as a group, just like other people do. So I would encourage everybody to check out the New York Times Magazine 1619 Project. Hey, you know, you could check it out when you're standing in that line waiting on your chicken sandwich. When you go to Popeye's and that line is wrapped around the block four times, um, check out the 1619 Project while, while you're sitting there waiting. All right, do something constructive with your time. Hey, as I close the show, I'm <laughs> I'm going to close the show with the unprocessed knowledge exclusive, the segment you've all been waiting for, things white people say. Now we just talked about the 1619 project, and if you didn't know, slaves actually built the White House. But when 
former Fox News host Bill O'Reilly found out slaves built the White House, he had this to say. Slaves that worked there were well-fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government. What? What'd you say, Bill O'Reilly? Slaves that worked there were well-fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government. Slaves, they were well-fed and they had decent lodgings. So why are they complaining? They were well taken care of. Things white people say. This has been another episode of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. Thanks for the time, guys. I would like to say to this gentleman and all other people who are not blessed with melanin at this point in time to understand that what has happened in our history is that you have been misinformed as much as we have been misinformed. Much of the information that is brought forth, not only from Dr. Muhammad, but other areas, other scholars are not available to you, as a sister said, in your curriculums that you have for 400 years when you did not allow us to read and write and was being hidden. Well, the 